Pastor Xavier Reese offers this thought on the validity of prophecy. God communicated to these men what he wanted to be revealed. He filled them with the Spirit. That message did not come from their impulse or origin of their own hearts, but from God. And the Holy Spirit carried them along so that what they recorded and revealed was God's inerrant, infallible Word. Wow. He puts you at ease. You can read this whole thing and never doubt a word. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier, it's understood that the Bible is God's written Word to us and for us. But there sometimes seems to be a fear or misunderstanding when it comes to the message in the book of Revelation. You know, that is true in a sense, and in another sense it isn't. Because um, the book of Revelation, God gives us the table of contents for it in the first chapter. And that table of contents keeps us in line with what God has in store there. There are many things that we can't be absolutely sure and dogmatic on, but we do have the outline for it. We do know the events that are going to take place and the time intervals, often. And everything in the Old Testament has been prophesied. Really, the book of Revelation doesn't give anything really new, but brings it all together. So in the first chapter, you have Jesus Christ, the glorified Christ, the things he saw. In chapter 2 and 3, you have the things that are, the message to the churches, and warning of the upcoming judgment of the tribulation, great tribulation. Then from chapter 6 to 19, you have the tribulation period and the second coming of Christ. Chapter 4 and 5, the church is removed from the earth. She is before the throne of God. And so the outline is pretty easy. And working through it, everything is interpretive for us. There's very little that is not interpretive for us in the book of Revelation, if you read it in its context. So to me, it's one of the easiest books in one aspect, and the other one is that we have to be careful we're not too dogmatic and absolutely in the areas that we cannot be absolutely sure. And so I'm excited that we're going to be looking at it, and it certainly is an exciting book, and every Christian should understand it and know what God has in store for the world as we look to His coming. I pray that if uh, you are going to be a listener, that you respond in one way or another, be it by email, that you may let us know if God is using the program and helping you to grow in the Lord. God bless you. Well, that's what we're here for each day, teaching the Word so that you do grow in your walk. So won't you get in touch so we know that you're being reached? Address your comments via email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Or if you prefer pen and paper, you can always address a note to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And I'll be repeating all that after the message, but please get in touch soon. In the meantime, here's Pastor Xavier getting started in this new series of Revelation that he just recently completed here at Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. The book of Revelation is history written in advance. And Jesus Christ is the key figure. Everything else revolves around him. He is the subject of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. This is God's word. This is not opinion. John didn't have sunstroke on the island of Patmos. This is God's divine word. So let me read our text for us here. He says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel and his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who 
hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. This introduction prologue in these three verses qualifies the entire book of Revelation as God's divine inspired revelation evident of three truths. First, the heavenly communication in verse 1. Secondly, you have the earthly affirmation of verse 2. And then thirdly, the spiritual compensation in verse 3. The heavenly communication comes first. The person notice of the revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, you can't mistake in it. It's him and him alone. The name Jesus represents his um, past earthly existence in humility, emphasizing his humanity while veiling his majestic glory. When Jesus emptied himself, he emptied himself of his glory, not his deity. He veiled himself with human flesh. The title of Christ represents the present position in heaven that we're seeing him here in chapter 1, emphasizing his deity, his divinity. He is the God-man, glorified. He bears the same body, the same marks, and he sits making intercession for you and I. Now notice the name Jesus Christ. It's the heart of it. It's the God-man. It appears seven more times in the book of Revelation. There's different translations. If you have an RSV, a Revised Standard Version, it changes a little bit. It has three times Jesus Christ, 11 times only Jesus. The name and title marks the authority needed to be the representative here of man before God. The last Adam now being the victorious Christ. If you look at him in chapter 1, we're going to see him. I mean, he is, he's glorified. He, he's reigning. He's ruling. Uh, this describes the nature of the entire book of the book of Revelation. The word revelation, apocalypsis, it means to lay bare, to make naked, to unveil something. Like if you add a, a new vase in your home or furniture, you bring people over, they've never seen it. You add it custom made, and you take that sheet and you unveil it. And now they see it clearly for the first time. This is what the book of Revelation is. The clear view of who Jesus is now, after the atonement, and what he is right now in heaven for us. And the word appears 18 times in the New Testament. This is the only time in the book of Revelation. And the word is used in the gospel, again, in the second coming also. Jesus is being revealed here and presented as the glorified Christ, the high priest in heaven, verse 12 through 18, and in verse 20. You can't miss it. He is standing in the midst of his seven churches, observing with penetrating eyes to judge all things in verse 12 through 15. No one needs to give him information. No one needs to tell him anything. He knows everything. If God had to reveal himself to man, it's because he couldn't be found by man. If he didn't reveal himself in the specifics, we would never have any idea about his plans and purposes. He revealed the promise of redemption to Adam and Eve right after the fall, Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. If he wouldn't have given it, they would have never known it. He revealed to the prophets the coming incarnation of God. Genesis 49.10, the scepter would not depart from before Messiah or Shiloh would come. Isaiah 7.14, he says, a virgin shall bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9.6, a son shall be given. Uh, Micah 5.2, he'll be born in Bethlehem. We would never know that unless God gave it to us, revealed it to us. It's the message direct from heaven. And so the purpose of the writings of uh, pseudopographic, this apocalyptical literature, was simply to remind people of God's intervention in human history to end and destroy the wickedness of this world and yet presenting the present without any meaning and very pessimistic with no hope. 
where our word, the Bible, that's inspired, even though it reveals the evil, the wickedness, there's always hope. Hope is in God. That God's going to triumph at the end. That God's going to take care of that. So there's a big distinction. Now, John's apocalypse here was and is not apocalyptic in that sense then, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, not like the pseudo-prographic literature. Rather, it's, he writes in his own name. And it's not fictitious. And the hope is the hope in Christ Jesus. He's unveiled as a victorious Christ here for the future things. God's spirit is under the nature of prophecy here. John occupies the position of one being led by God to reveal God's revelation in his own words, and yet it's inspired. And he makes it clear by the word prophecy in verse 3, 22, 7, 22, 10, 18, and 19. Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. The word of God. It also reveals God's um, deliverance in the present in very, a very meaningful way. God is working in his redemptive work to bring about the final act. God will ultimately reign. God will put evil under his foot. We don't see anything and everything under his foot right now, but one day it will be, even Satan. So the kingdom is present, and it's yet to come. And ultimately, it will be here as Jesus sets up his kingdom, and he puts everything under his feet. Notice the pattern of the revelation still in verse 1. It says, which God gave him, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. God the Father is the source of the revelation, the first person of the Trinity. We must distinguish between the two persons, God and pronoun him with a capital H. One's the Father, the other one's the Son. God the Father gave the revelation to the Son, Jesus Christ. So the Father is the source, gave it to his Son. Jesus, God the Son, is the channel of the revelation, the second person of the Trinity. Both are God, equal in deity, and God the Son gave the revelation to his angel, true to his nature here, an office of mediator between God and man. And Jesus uh, makes this very clear in John 1, 18, that Jesus is the only one who reveals the Father. John writes it down. No one else has revealed the Father except the Son. And notice the word there, signified. It means to give a sign. With the idea of figurative representation, which is exactly the character of the book of Revelation. But there's a caution. When you have figurative language, it doesn't mean it's not a literal event. Okay? Some people will spiritualize. Well, it's figurative. It could mean this. It could mean that. No, it's literal event that's being described in a way that we can understand it. Let me give you an example. John 12, 32 to 33, Jesus said this. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, and he interprets it. He gives the commentary signifying, same word, by what death he would die. Now he says, I'll be lifted up. Figurative language, crucifixion, literal fulfillment. So it's figurative language, but a literal event is being described. So be careful of those that would just spiritualize it and explain it away. All right? The birth of God's son, remember, was also revealed by angels. We just finished Luke chapter 2, 10 through 14, by the shepherds at Bethlehem. Okay? Angels play a key phrase in the, in the, in the word of God. The angels uh, gave the revelation to John, and the servant of, who was John is the servant of the Trinity, and he gives it to us. So the father, to the son, to the angel, to John, and John to us, faithful. Now, one thing that happens with human communication, it gets messed up. If I tell Greta something here, and she passes down to William, and we go all the way on down, and then we pass it on there and all that, by the time it gets back here, the little seven-word sentence I gave her doesn't, is not even recognizable by the time it comes back to me because we're falling, we're, we corrupt things. This channel of communication is totally clear and pure. 
because it's divine revelation. Some people have a hard time with that. That's a personal problem, okay? You don't have to worry about it. That's why he opens the book of Revelation this way. And so all three pronouns, notice, refer to Christ, his servants, plural, his angel, his servant, John. And maybe this angel is the same one that's going to rebuke him when he tries to bow down to him in Revelation 22, 16. We can't be sure, but possibly. Notice the purpose of the revelation is given there, still in verse 1. To show his servants things which must shortly take place. God the Father gave the revelation to Jesus to show his servants. The revelation of God can only be made known by God once again. And I'm being very purposeful to repeat certain things so you get it, okay? The servants are the saints. Saints are those born again, okay? The word servants there is doulos. It's in the plural. It goes back to the bondservant of the Old Testament, one who served his master by choice. He served his master for six years, and then he would be let loose in the seven freed. If he didn't want to go free, he could tell his master, I love you, you're the best thing for me, I want to serve you for life. He would take that individual, take him to the doorpost of his house, put his ear by the doorpost, take an all a hammer, make it whole, put an earring on it. And when that man walked around with an earring, you knew he was a bondservant by choice to his master for life. This is the picture. You and I, our bond servants. We're not here to be served. And if we lose that perspective, we lose everything, ladies and gentlemen. And as I look to the, the church today, it has lost its place. It's lost its way completely. We are nothing but sinners who have repented by grace through faith that not of ourselves the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's amazing. Those who are looking for him to come again as he has promised. Even as Jesus told his disciples, stop being afraid. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many abiding places or mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for that where I am there, you may be also. And if I go, I will come back to receive you to myself. That's the first mention of the rapture. And it's by the lips of Jesus Christ. You must make a distinction between Jesus coming back for us in the rapture and Jesus coming back with us to set up the kingdom. First Thessalonians, he comes for us. Second Thessalonians, we come back with him. Don't confuse them. I make an emphasis on that because a lot of the church is turning away from the rapture today. And they're saying we're going to go through it. God has not appointed us to wrap up the salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 5.9, Romans 5.9. We'll see Revelation 3.10, he'll keep us from the hour with the article, the seven-year tribulation. We have his promise. Now, God the Father gave the revelation notice to Jesus to make known the things which must shortly take place. The things are certain to take place by the word must, meaning necessary. There is no opinion, no suggestion. There's no question about these events to come, for they are stated, proclaimed, prophetic of God and by God, by decree, if you will. And so the word is found eight times in the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 1 here, 4, 1, 10, 11, 11, 5, 13, 10, 17, 10, 23, 22, 6, all over. What is it that we don't understand? This is prophecy. <laughs> it's simple. Now, the revelation is one of hope, notice, indicating that God is the one who can control the future. They're not events at random chance, but divine omnipotence at work to bring about this world to a close from all the evil, including the evil one. He will be put under his foot. And the revelation is one of eminence. In other words, by the word shortly, it means speedily. 
with the idea of suddenly without delay. You as a believer are to live under the understanding that the coming of Christ for us is imminent. It can happen at any time. You say, well, he was writing in 95 AD. True. But nevertheless, every generation is to be looking for the coming of Christ. Studying the word more and more, we understand that it can't happen until the nation of Israel is back in the land. So therefore, we know now that it couldn't have happened before 1948 because the nation of Israel was not in their land. Now that she's in her land, we don't see anything that's yet to be fulfilled. Ezekiel 36, 37 been fulfilled partially. They're in the land, but the Spirit's not upon them. Ezekiel 38, 39 is ready to be fulfilled as Russia will attack. God will destroy five, six that army. He'll remove the church and the tribulation will happen. The Antichrist will appear. Now, I'm not telling you the day or the hour. I'm telling you, get ready, be looking up. Your redemption is nearer than when you first believed, okay? And time should never be a, a, a discouraging factor at all. And so the revelation is one of eminence, very, very important by the word speedily. And the revelation is one of warning about divine judgment that take place on the earth. And so the book of Revelation is really not for us. I mean, the first three chapters and, and the four and five we can benefit from, but from six on, it's for the world. It's for you to know what's going to happen so you can tell people and warn people. Okay? Paul uses the same word when he told the Romans, listen in Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Shortly. John's warning is specific. Listen to Revelation 3.10. This is one of the promises that we're not going through the great tribulation or tribulation. He says that he will keep us from the hour of trial which would come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I used to be an earth dweller. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger in this land. I'm a heavenly citizen. I'm not an earth dweller. I used to be. He will keep you from the hour. The article is there. The seven-year tribulation. The last days began with the first coming of Jesus and will end at the second coming of Christ to fight the battle of Armageddon and to set up the kingdom, Revelation 19. What a difference there is in the word of God from the word of modern pronosticators when it comes to it being accurate in fulfillment. The Bible is 100% accurate in all its prophecies. You take a pronosticator such as Gene Dixon or Nostradamus, whoever you want to, Okay, here's the standard. The prophets of old had to be 100% accurate or they would be stoned to death. Who wants to take up that category? Nobody. God only knows the end from the beginning, so he's the only one who can lay things out and communicate so that it's absolutely 100%. God reveals himself to man through the person of his son. He cannot be searched out or grasped by human wisdom or intellect alone. We are not saved because we're so wise. We're, we're saved because by God's grace we have been convicted by the Spirit of God and seen our lostness and called upon his name. Listen to Paul as he writes to the Corinthians. Paul tells the Corinthians, For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek wisdom, but we... Preach Christ crucified to the Jew a stumbling block, but to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 24. How grateful are you that you're saved? That God by his grace allowed you to have your eyes open to run to him. You don't walk to Jesus Christ. You find out how lost and how bad you are. You run to him. 
Paul puts it this way, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. While God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on the world, received the glory, 1 Timothy 3.16. And there he sits today, making an intercession for you and I. God used the prophets to reveal the mind of God to his people, such as Noah. He told Noah, I'm going to kill the whole world and judge you. I'm going to give you 100 years to preach, build a boat. Came to pass. He told Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation. Made the pass. He told Moses, go to Egypt, get my people. He brought them out. He told Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, and the rest of them different things, and God brought them to pass. Amazing. The primary function of a prophet is this, to be the mouthpiece of God, to communicate God's word. Often the prophets were called out of normal people, as I'll show you, because the priesthood, the kingship, and the people had become so corrupt, he called them back in repentance. Second function of a prophet is to speak future things. Most people think the primary function is future things. No, it's to be the mouthpiece of God to call people to repentance, to reveal God's mind, his will, his plan. Then secondly, future prophetic events. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. God never does anything unless he reveals it first. Show me one place where judgment has come that God hasn't warned the people about judgment. Noah's days, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and now the second coming. He always warns in advance. These prophets, as John, who spoke, did not speak of their own origin or their own impulse, but as God revealed and communicated to them and enabled them. Listen to what Peter says. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. They used to look at the scripture, try to examine them. Who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them indicated when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. In other words, they searched, well, is this for our generation? Next generation? Sometimes it was clear, it's for us. Other times, we don't know. He says, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, which angels desire to look into. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. In other words, these angels, the word is stooped down. They stoop down trying to look at the church, and they're looking at it, and they see it one day at a time unfolding as God works because they don't know the future. They're watching like this movie for the first time. To God, it's a rerun. 2 Peter 1, 19-21 says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Would you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. Put a line through that. Bad interpretation in the King James and Old King James. It's not perfect. That's a bad interpretation. What it's talking about is the impulse or the origin. And this is the evidence of it. Look what follows. Listen carefully. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, literally carried. 1 Peter 1, 19-21. In other words, God communicated to these men what he wanted to be revealed. He filled them with the Spirit. That message did not come from their impulse or origin of their own hearts, but from God. And the Holy Spirit carried them along so that what they recorded and revealed was God's inerrant, infallible word. Wow. This was the heavenly communication of the revelation here that John begins with. He puts you at ease. You can read this whole thing and never doubt a word. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder for when it comes to the veracity of Scripture, the written Word of God remains His faithful, simple truths for us to depend upon. And you can request your own copy of today's thought-provoking lesson titled God's Final Revelation on CD for just $4. The title to ask for once again is God's Final Revelation. Or you can simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And use that address to send Pastor Xavier your comments of our broadcast so that we know where we're being most effective. Or jot an email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station however you choose to contact us. Well, we tend to think of history as a study of past events. But join us next time as we continue our study of God's revealing His story and events yet to come. That's coming up on the next Simple Truths with our teacher, Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com